Hi, and welcome to the podcast and post on whether tech is on the slope of hope or still climbing the wall of worry. Um, uh, now, uh, before I get into the podcast itself, I just want to say thank you to a number of subscribers who have uh, commented and given me advice on how I can improve uh, uh, the website and, and the podcast and posts, which I've tried to take on board. Um, First of all, we're going to now sort of do podcasts and posts as one single uh, post, uh, so that reduce emails to you and, and less cluttering. Uh, what we're also doing is changing the way we record the po- po- podcast, hopefully to improve uh, sound quality. So please tell me what uh, what you think and what you gain from that. Um, and you know, just in general, I love getting feedback and comments on you know uh, how to improve things or even things that you might like me to look at. Uh, I'm very happy to have a look. If I find it interesting myself, then I will do something. Um, so, you know, feel free to, 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 to email me or get in touch with any suggestions. Um, so first of all, what I'm going to talk about is just the, you know, the idea of the slope of hope or the wall of worry. Uh, so when you first, well, when I first started out in fund management, you would notice the older fund managers would talk about this, you know, and the idea of there could be a, you know, you know, Marcus climbed a wall of worry. And they fell down a slope of hope. Um, what that meant in sort of basic terms is that, you know, you know, people couldn't believe, you know, people would be buying the dip even as the dip kept dipping, right? So they keep putting capital in, capital in, even into something that wasn't making them money. And so they were falling down the slope of hope. So they thought, okay, this price, this asset used to be X much higher. It's now dropped down, down below that. So if I keep buying, it's going to go back to that, to that price. And that's, and that is what's called the slope of hope. It's a classic bear market, uh, a classic bear market phenomenon. And the opposite of that is the wall of worry. So typically you hit a new all time high and you go, God, it's gone up so much. I'll just wait for it to pull back and I'll buy some more. And it never really pulls back. Uh, and that's called climbing the wall of worry. Uh, most of you should have heard of it. Uh, for me, you know, you know, the most classic example of climbing the wall of worry would probably be bonds, uh, long day government bonds. Uh, there's always been lots of reasons not to buy them. Uh, you know, yields are much lower than what they were, you know, in the seventies or eighties or even the nineties. And yet what we've seen is bond yields continue to fall lower and lower and hence price of bonds goes up and up. Uh, and so I would, you know, call the bond market, uh, over the last few years, definitely climbing a wall of worry, if that makes sense. Um, now the thing about, you know, trying to understand whether you're in a, uh, whether you're going up a wall of worry, uh, climbing a wall of worry or going down a slope of hope, you sort of have to guess. You sort of look at what uh, other investors were saying or doing, and then try and you know, guess where we were in that in that type of scenario. Now, what ETFs have done, which have become incredibly popular over the last ten years or twenty years, is they've made that a little bit easier to to quantify. So I look at the QQQ, which is one of the first big, very popular retail ETFs launched during the dot-com bubble. And what you can see with ETFs is you can sort of, you know, break down. There are two main factors that you care about as an ETF, an ETF manager would care about. One is shares outstanding. The more shares you've issued, the more money you've got under management. And the second one, of course, is the price. The higher the price goes, of course, the more money under management you have as well. And what you can you sort of generally do is break down uh, how much of a market cap of ETF has come from capital appreciation and how much has come from inflows. 
So we look at the QQQ, what you can see is that sort of in 2001, 2002, even as the dot-com bust started to really take hold, shares outstanding in the QQQ went up significantly. Now, some people uh, ascribe this to short sellers uh, and needing to create more shares. Um, that may be true, but it doesn't quite match up with a lot of what you know we've seen uh, post the dot-com bubble. And what you can see is shares outstanding are still nowhere near their peak um, uh, that we saw in 2001-2002. But what is interesting, uh, I think, when we look at this is that, you know, if I was to say, you know, you know, are investors starting to get bullish NASDAQ, if you're looking at the share count of e- the ETF, it'd be only very recently that you would start to see a sort of spike in share counts in the QQQ coinciding with a new all-time high uh, in the QQQ and, you know, accelerating as well. So I would say when I look at something like the QQQ, as far as retail positioning is starting to you know, look, you are starting to get to a position of, of investors buying dips and buying and being and trying to catch up with it, um, which is in itself novel and the first time we've seen it for a long time and, and potentially bearish. And what you can see when we go down to the sort of next chart is when we you know, take a look at the composition of market cap um for the for the QQQ, the Invesco Nasdaq 100 ETF, is that for a long time uh, the market cap of a QQQ was made up only of inflows. The average investor had lost money uh, investing into the QQQ, uh, you know, and that was you know peak losses of of course 2002, 2003, but they you know quite large ones at the uh, after the GFC as well. And it's only of ten years after uh, the you know the uh, to, you know, only in about 2011 did the average investor in the QQQ actually make money. And what we can see now is for the first time in a very long time, uh, the QQQ is seeing substantial inflows at the same time as also seeing price appreciation. And we haven't seen that since 1999, 2000. And so you are starting to get into a period where, you know, uh, price and inflows are starting to move together, which means that the outlook for the QQQ is not as supportive as it has been. Um, the other thing you can take from this is that the, the, the opposite effect of price and inflows for an ETF makes a f- fantastic business. Uh, so when prices are going down, you're getting inflows, and when price is going up, you might be getting outflows, or you could be getting inflows, doesn't really matter, but you've got a very nice counter-cyclical nature to this business, which probably means that even if you don't believe in the QQQ or other assets, you should believe in the uh, uh, ETF managers being a fantastic business and certainly a BlackRock share price has been uh, almost a 10 bagger since 2009 would be suggestive that you know ETFs are a fantastic business to get into. So anyway going back to looking at retail participation or retail sentiment slope of hope or wall of worry what we can see in the tech space is if we look at ARC which have done a fantastic job of growing their ETF business over the last few years uh, as well as you know very good performance you know last month or two notwithstanding, um, is that you can see the ARC funds, the uh, the main ARC fund, did very, very well and saw shares rising, but quite slowly, particularly through you know, the 17, 18, 19, 20. And then 21, as the, uh, the ARC funds started to do exceptionally well, inflows took off. And what I would say was a very negative sign for these, uh, as far as a sort of wall of worry or a slope of hope, is that the sort of sell-off in, in ARC uh, fund that happened in early 21 was actually met with 
rising inflows from investors. Whereas investors were not, you know, freaking out about this dip and they bought the dip and they bought it aggressively. And what we've seen, uh, at the end of 21, 2021 and, and beginning of 2022 is that buying the dip in this case hasn't worked. And the upshot, upshot of that is that now the average investor is losing money. Uh, now what, what that means is, you know, ARC is, is still been a, a good performing fund, but it is the sort of iron rule of, of fund management is that, you know, the inflows will always be maximum at the top and minimum at the bottom. And so, and there's, it seems to be very little you can do about that. That's just the way the industry works is that, you know, when you have a fund that out, significantly outperforms with differentiated thinking, everyone's going to pile in at, at exactly the wrong time and then pile out at exactly the wrong time. And that is just the way that industry works. Uh, I'm talking from experience here. It seems almost impossible to, to stop that from happening. Um, so, you know, what ARC funds are saying to me is you're starting to get the similar sort of dynamic that we saw with the QQQ funds back in, you know, the dot-com bust, you know, nearly 20 years ago or 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago. And so this sort of, we have seemingly transitioned at, uh, with ARC at least into a, uh, slope of hope dynamic. And ARC is really the sort of more aggressive tech stocks. It's not the, the big, big cap tech. It's the more aggressively priced real future bets on the future type stocks have become, uh, and this was a leading fund for those has become a little bit more problematic. Um, adding to the concerns in the tech space is again, looking at the Bitcoin. Uh, now I've looked at great, I look at grayscale. Bitcoin trust uh, a lot, probably more than I should. And, and people do tell me there are a lot of other products out there. Um, there's a lot of other funds I should look at. That's probably true, but what I like about it is, that, you know, it's been around for a long time. And so you've got, you know, a bit more data going back. Um, and so at least you know, we can get some consistency built, built with that. And what's interesting about the Grayscale Fund is when I look at shares outstanding in the Grayscale Fund, even though there are other ways for people to invest into Bitcoin, and it's become a much more open market, the shares outstanding in grayscale Bitcoin trust have continued to rise over time. So maybe it's losing market share, but the market is still growing enough for this to be, you know, taking in shares or taking inflows. And so it's still for me seemingly indicative of what's happening in the crypto space. And what we can see here is like if you look back to the 2017 boom uh in in Bitcoin. Shares outstanding in the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust did not rise very much. In fact, they almost declined looking at it. Um, but what we've seen through the sort of 20, 2020, 2021 bull market in, in crypto and Bitcoin is that shares outstanding have risen. And again, what's interesting is we've seen, you know, weakness in, uh, crypto in late 2021 and early 2022 and shares outstanding in the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust have gone to new all time highs. Uh, now that for me again is a negative sign. People are buying the dip and not, and they're not worried that it's going to fall much more. They, they, they're buying into it. And so again, we, we seem to me in a number of these tech areas transition from climbing a wall of worry to, to going down a, the slope of hope. And, uh, as I've talked in some previous podcasts, what we started to see is, you know, uh, weakness, particularly in Chinese tech, which was largely ignored and, and considered Chinese specific, uh, but it, it's, it's sort of building now into other areas. And, and what I also pointed out, and probably in the last p- podcast, 
was that companies like Apple, uh, and I think also true for a lot of the big tech with big cash flow, is their share buybacks are sort of forcing the shares to reprice to what their bond yields are. Um, and so if inflation continues to build, which I think it will, uh, and if the Fed acts on that, I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. They might. The Fed, for me, has lost all credibility on its inflation, inflation flying credentials, so it may choose to do nothing. But if you do think there's a risk of bond yields start to sell off, uh, then, you know, the tech area, you know, is already showing weakness in the sort of smaller, more speculative areas. The large caps would also be under trouble, uh, in trouble. And that'd be particularly true if the Americans copied the Chinese and started to deal with some of the antitrust issues, uh, that, that, that plague the tech area. And again, I've written about that in terms of credit card companies in the US. Um, I do wonder if that's going to spread. Uh, when we look at the Bitcoin, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, what you can see is that uh, market cap from appreciation, so you know, uh, capital gains for investors, has dropped down significantly. Uh, and and you know, likely, if, if Bitcoin doesn't rally soon, likely to go negative, which again would be a very negative sign. Um, and so, you know, taking it all together, you know, looking at what inflation is doing, looking at how bond markets done to trade, looking at what Chinese tech has done looking at what ARK is doing, looking at what Bitcoin is doing, and looking at how retailers are reacting to those movements, it seems like we are very close to entering the slope of hope phase for for tech markets at least. Uh, and given how large tech is, it's probably going to be capital markets in general. Um, and so, you know, what ETFs are telling us is that, you know, we could be finally into an area uh, where we begin to transition into a very different type of market after having a long bull market in the same area. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to end it there. Thank you for your uh, attention. And like I said, I love feedback and comments, and please pass them on.